The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. If you would stand at this time for the reading of God's Word, uh, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3 this morning, and so um, either right now or when you sit back down here in a minute, go ahead and get a copy of God's Word open to Matthew 3. This morning's passage is Matthew 3, verses 13 through 17, where we read this. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated while I pray. Uh, Father, as we uh, gather on this first Sunday of the new year, it's our desire to live this year for your glory. Amidst all of the resolutions that we might make or the goals that we might set, would, would, this, would this be at the top? To live for you this year, for your glory, to, to honor you and draw near to you and experience you and commune with you and worship you and trust you and tell others about you. See them come to faith in Jesus and live for your glory too. It's my prayer, Father, that this year you'd you'd unmask the, the many illusions that we might have about ourselves and about you. That we'd cut through the many musts and, and oughts that we think we have to do to earn your approval or earn your attention or earn your affection and instead rest in the finished work of Christ through which we have all that. But then simultaneously, Lord, would we also repent of any comfortable self-centeredness, self-preservation, self-focus, and instead pursue holiness, Obedience, mission, serving others and sharing the gospel in our lives with others from a place of hearts radically transformed by and secure in your gospel of grace. We cannot do that on our own. And so Holy Spirit, would you be our help? Would you be our strength? Would you be our resolve? As we open your word now, would you open the eyes of our souls? Open us up to your truth and the truth about ourselves. And be glorified here today, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, out of all the things that we do as Christians, uh, baptism is perhaps one of the strangest. You know, I don't know if you thought about this very long. Um, there just aren't very many other contexts in your life where you stand in front of a bunch of people 
uh, some that you know super duper well, like family, and others who you don't know at all, never met them before. And you stand up there barefoot, you know, and uh, with your swim trunks on and a t-shirt or maybe ladies, you know, in a swimsuit with shorts and a t-shirt over it or something like that. And then you get into, let's be honest, a horse tank that we bought out of the tractor supply and filled with water. And you get in there and then somebody's going to sort of almost like take hold of you and um, press you under the water, Okay. And not, not trying to drown you, nothing like that, but they put you under the water, and you're there for like a second, and then back up. Okay, now your, your hair's a mess, your t-shirt's sticking to you all awkward-like, and uh, somebody wants to give you a hug, and everybody's cheering and praising God, all right? That is a unique experience, very unique experience, isn't it? Um, unique enough that we really ought to ask, why do we do it? Uh, some, some streams of Christianity teach that the act of being baptized saves you. That, that there's something that actually happens like magically in the water, that when you're in the water, you go under the water and back up out of the water, that's the instant that that saves you. That's not what we teach. We don't believe that that's what the scriptures teach. The scriptures teach that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Other streams teach that, other streams of Christianity teach that uh, baptize, baptism is something that we do for infants of believing families. And there's lots of nuance and, and differences within people who sort of hold to that, some that we have quite a bit of respect for and even make room for within the context of, of two pillars, and yet also respectfully disagree with as a practice. Um, as we read the New Testament, what we see normatively is believers, people professing faith in Jesus Christ, being saved, and then in response to that, being baptized as a sign of entry into the new covenant community of God. Baptism, therefore, is something that we do in response to being saved. A simple way that we sometimes explain baptism is that it is an outward display of an inward reality. Now, baptism, it's more than that, but it's not less than that. But sometimes we can wonder, maybe some of you are here this morning and you wonder, why do we why do we do that? Uh, what exactly are, why do we, do, is it necessary? I mean, if there's nothing magical that happens in the water, if it, is, is it just an empty ritual? Is it necessary? Why are Christians baptized? You might be here this morning and you're not yet a Christian. And if that's the case, we're super duper happy that you're here. Um, Two Pillars is a place where you can come, where you can be, you can have questions, you can bring your doubts, you can bring skepticism. You can have, you know, church baggage that you haul into here and all of that, um, and, and that's, we're just great that you're here. Most of us in this room can remember what it's like to have those doubts and have those questions and have some of that baggage. In fact, if, if many of us are honest, we still have a lot of it, still carrying some of those around, still trying to sort some of that out ourselves. But if that's you, you, you may, if you're, new, if you're new, you may never even heard of baptism before. Um, or maybe you have, and you've seen it, and you're like, is that something I have to do if I become a Christian? Because hmm, I don't know, right? We're going to talk about that this morning. Um, there's others in the room who are Christians, maybe you've been Christian for a while, and, and you haven't been baptized. Um, there's a lot of reasons why. Maybe you were baptized as an infant by your parents, and you've always wondered. You're never really been sure. Should I do that again? Uh, maybe you've recently become a Christian. You haven't really shared that with anyone else around you. It's kind of a private thing. You haven't told anybody yet, or it hasn't been an opportunity yet to, to be baptized. For others, you just Never got around to it, uh, or it wasn't offered. I, I spoke with a, a church planter recently, 
who is getting ready to launch out of an existing church, the Sending Church. And um, several of the people from the Sending Church are going to go with him to plant this church. Faithful Christians, strong Christians, believers. And through conversations about the church plan, he came to realize that most of the people that were going from the Sending Church, had, even though they're strong believers, had never been baptized. And so one of the first things that they did before launching out to start this new church was be baptized. And for others, you haven't been baptized because it's a scary thing. It seems like an intimidating thing, an awkward thing. It can feel awkward maybe because you've been a Christian for a while now. And if you go and get baptized, people are going to be like, did you just become one? Or have you been one for, I thought you were? You know, there could be some awkwardness that we feel there. Or it's just strange and it maybe feels embarrassing to you. Um, You're more reserved. You don't want people looking at you, especially when you're soaking wet. Listen, for lots of reasons, you might be here today and be a Christian and never have been baptized. We're going to talk about that. And then lots of us are here and we have been baptized. Okay? And, you know, over the course of 13 years now at Two Pillars, we've baptized 84 people. That's quite a few of us, you know? Um, Some of those people have moved. (laughs) Some of them moved on. Uh, But many of you were baptized in this church, and others of you were baptized before you ever were part of Two Pillars. And what I want for you this morning is to be strengthened even more in understanding what your baptism was even really all about. Why are Christians baptized? And the answer I want you to see actually begins with why Jesus was baptized. That's what our text is about. Our text is about Jesus' baptism, not yours. It's only in application of our text today that we can even talk about your baptism. But to talk about yours, we're going to begin by talking about his. Why was Jesus baptized? It's it's actually a pretty interesting question when you get some time to think about it. Um, Jesus wasn't baptized for the same reasons that you and I were. (laughs) And in fact, Jesus' baptism was quite different than our baptism. Jesus' baptism, it wasn't the baptism of Jesus. It wasn't Christian baptism, as we think about it. It was the baptism of John. There was a difference. And we see this difference spelled out really clearly in Acts chapter 19, where the apostle Paul was passing through Ephesus, and he met some disciples of Jesus there, and he asked them whose name they had been baptized into. And they said John's, John the Baptist, that they had received John's baptism. Then Paul tells them this in Acts 19 verse 4. He says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. See, in our text back here in Matthew chapter 3, what's going on is not baptism like we practice here and now on this side of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. As Pastor Adam preached last week, John the Baptist's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was preparatory. JB was baptizing people who would come and confess their sins and and repent. All good things, all part of our our baptism today, but it wasn't about trusting in Jesus who had come and lived and died and risen again from the grave. They were preparing, coming clean, so to speak, in preparation for Jesus to come. Who would then, after his death and burial and resurrection, institute a new kind of baptism, the baptism of Jesus. The baptism into Jesus. Baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus, as Paul calls it in Acts 19, or Christian baptism, as we call it today. 
Now, with all that being said, why, why was Jesus baptized? Specifically with John's baptism. I mean, think, think about this. If John's baptism was for sinners <laughs> who were confessing their sins and repenting and turning away from sin, and, and, and Jesus, if he's the sinless son of God, which the rest of the New Testament teaches he is, why on earth did he need to be baptized? Well, that question, it seems to be on JB's mind too, wasn't it? In our text here, when Jesus comes from Galilee to the Jordan where John was baptizing, Luke actually records that Jesus showed up to be baptized right alongside everyone else who was being baptized by John. But when Jesus shows up to be baptized, J.B. says, whoa, 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 hold the phone. (laughs) He actually seeks to prevent Jesus from being baptized. The original language is such that he persisted in trying to prevent Jesus from being baptized. See, John the Baptist knows. He knows who this Jesus is. He knows that he's mightier than he is, and he's not even worthy to carry his sandals. He knows that this Jesus is the sinless Son of God. He knows Jesus doesn't need to be baptized by him. He needs to be baptized by Jesus. But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented, and Jesus was baptized. So why was Jesus baptized? Well, it's right there. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Or, as another translation puts it, it's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Clear as mud, right? I mean, have you ever read something in the Bible and you're like, that sounds pretty, but I have no idea what it really means, you know? Jesus was baptized, we're told here, to fulfill all righteousness. But what does that mean? Well, let me try to flesh that out for us with four reasons. Four reasons why Jesus was baptized. And these four reasons, they put, they put skin on the bones of the phrase, fulfill all righteousness. And then after these reasons, we'll apply this text by looking at four reasons that Christians are baptized. But reason number one, the first reason that Jesus is baptized is to obey God. To obey his Father. In ways that are somewhat mysterious to us, Jesus knew that he was to be baptized. He came, look at the text, he came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Jesus wasn't just passing by and say, well, that looks like fun. Let's try it. No, Jesus was very, he very intentionally sought John out in order to be baptized by John. He knew that he was to be baptized. He tells us in another place that he came to do the will of the Father. Being baptized was in some way the will of the Father in heaven. And so Jesus was baptized in obedience to the will of the Father. He came down from heaven, not to do his own will but the will of him who sent him. By being baptized, Jesus affirms his determination and commitment to do his Father's work, to obey his will, to walk and live in perfect obedience, we'll see. In fact, the the word there in verse 15, righteousness, remember Jesus tells John the Baptist, we need to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness, that word in Matthew's gospel, it, it refers to a, like a, a whole person behavior that is in accordance with God's will and his nature and his kingdom. It's a little different than how Paul uses the word later in the New Testament to refer to our right standing before God. 
Although I think that concept's actually present in Jesus' baptism too. But Matthew normally uses the word in, in the more typical Old Testament sense of like a, a true heart obedience to the Lord. So the first reason that Jesus was baptized was to obey God. The second reason he was baptized was to, to mark his public inauguration. Uh, this, in, in, in John chapter 3 here, this is Jesus' coronation ceremony. Uh, you know, back when Queen Elizabeth passed away over there in England, September 2022, right? When, when she died, Charles became king, right? Um, but he wasn't crowned king yet. He didn't have his public inauguration for eight months later. Now, he was king that whole time, but on May 6, 2023, Charles was crowned as such. It was his coronation ceremony. It marked his public inauguration, and everybody showed up for it, even Harry. Well, it's similar with Jesus. He's always been the Son of God. He's always existed from eternity past as the Son of God. But at his baptism, he is publicly inaugurated. We see this in the text in verses 16 and 17. When Jesus was baptized... Immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Now, look at this. The whole Trinity showed up. The whole Trinity showed up. In fact, Jesus' baptism is the first time that God clearly reveals himself to the world as a triune God. We have Jesus the Son coming up out of the water. We have the Holy Spirit descending down upon him like a dove and resting upon him in the Father's voice from heaven. My beloved Son, who I'm well pleased in, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all there marking the occasion, marking the public inauguration as Jesus, the Son of God. Now, interestingly, Luke and Mark when in their accounts of this, they record, they record the father saying, you are my beloved son. They record the father addressing Jesus. But Matthew seems to have a different purpose. And, and whether it was heard differently or whether Matthew wrote it differently to press the point, the point Matthew wants us to hear, not just Jesus to hear, the, the point that Matthew wants us to hear is God the Father proclaiming, declaring, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. It's a public inauguration. A very public inauguration. Thirdly then, the third reason why Jesus was baptized was to identify with sinners. You know, when we think about why Jesus came into the world, why, why did Jesus come into the world? He, he came to identify with sinners. In order for him to fulfill all righteousness, in order for him to purchase righteousness for anyone, he had to identify with. He had to identify with sinners. Isaiah 53 says it this way, speaking prophetically of Jesus. He says, he was numbered with the transgressors. Numbered with them. Listen, isn't it interesting that the very first thing that Jesus does after 30 years of living in obscurity, 30 years of, of his life we know next to nothing about, the very first thing he does when he comes out of obscurity is to identify with sinners. 
to get in line with those coming to John the Baptist. Sinful men and women. Getting down into the water, being dunked under the water. Then they come back up out of the water, clothes sticking to them all awkward ways, and their hair and their beard all soaking wet. Up they come out of the water, down goes another one, carrying their sins with them down into the water symbolically, right? Being washed clean of all of this. Down comes one, then goes up another one, and down another one, up another one. And then here comes Jesus. He who knew no sin, he who had no sin, comes. The friend of sinners, amongst sinners, identifying with sinners, like you and me. If you were to make a TV commercial about it, it would show sinless Jesus coming down from the banks of the Jordan getting down into the water. Maybe a conversation proceeds between him and John the Baptist. Almost looks like they're arguing. And then you see Jesus maybe put his hand on John's shoulder, say something to him, very specific. JB, JB nods in agreement. He consents. He takes hold of Jesus, the Son of God. And he presses him down into the water. Maybe even holds him there for a second. And in that second, the waters engulf him. That the same waters that were symbolically polluted by all the sins of all the people. All the sin-polluted water washes over the perfect, sinless Jesus. He's plunged into it. And then John pulls him back up out of it. And then in our commercial, remember, it's our commercial, screen fades to black, and some little white letters come across the screen that say, he gets us. All of us. The us is in yellow. Right? <laughs> How about that for a commercial? See, Jesus didn't just come to be a great teacher. He didn't, he didn't come to just be a great example. Jesus didn't just come to impart some sound ethics and moral behavior. He, he wasn't a revolutionary, even in the traditional sense. He came to identify with sinners. He was numbered with the transgressors. He who knew no sin became sin. Why? To fulfill all righteousness. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, when the Apostle John records the account of Jesus' baptism in his account of the gospel, he, he adds that when J.B. saw Jesus coming towards him, remember what, remember what John the Baptist proclaimed? He says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. See, J.B. understood something, didn't he? When Jesus came down into the water to be baptized, John the Baptist is saying to him, what are you doing there in my place and me in yours? I should be in your place and you in mine. And Jesus is saying, you're not wrong. But let it be so for now. 
for it's proper for us to do this, this is where I'm to be, in your place. See, Jesus' first act of public ministry is to identify with sinners. In fact, his entire ministry is going to be one of identifying with sinners. It's well known, of course, that Jesus ends his earthly ministry amongst sinners on a cross in between two thieves. Here, Matthew is telling us he began his ministry there too, in a river amongst sinners. From his baptism to his crucifixion, he identifies with us. Look at him there, in your place. In your place at his baptism, perfectly fulfilling all righteousness. In your place, in his perfect life, live perfectly without sin for you. Perfectly fulfilling all righteousness. And on the cross, dying in your place, perfectly fulfilling all righteousness. Well, that brings us to the fourth reason why Jesus was baptized. And that's this, that his baptism points forward. It pictures his future baptism on the cross. Let me explain. Mark chapter 10, uh, right after Jesus foretells of his death for a third time, James and John come to Jesus. You remember what they say to Jesus? We want to sit at your right and left hand in glory. Right? And remember how Jesus replies? He says, huh? you don't know what you're asking. And then he says this. He says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized. The, the cup there is a reference to the cup of wrath, which is due to us for our sins, that Jesus is going to drink you know, for, for us on our behalf, taking on all the wrath that we deserve when he died on the cross. The baptism there is a baptism in blood. It's a baptism of being plunged into death and then raised again. In other words, Jesus' baptism here in Matthew 3, not only was it a symbol of his identifying with sinners, it was also a picture of his future baptism on the cross, a picture of his future death, and then resurrection, a prefigurement, we might say, of Christian baptism. We see this in our passage when Jesus comes up out of the water and the heavens are open, the Spirit of God descends like a dove, resting upon him, and the voice of the Father declares, what, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Embedded in these words here from the Father is an allusion to Psalm chapter 2 and an allusion to Isaiah chapter 42. The allusion to Psalm 2 is about God sending a king to his holy hill and calling him a son. The allusion in Isaiah 42 it's about the Holy Spirit coming to rest upon God's chosen servant in whom, Isaiah 42 says, my soul delights. The same servant whom in Isaiah becomes the suffering servant. The one who would bear our griefs and carry our sorrows. The one who would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. Upon him would be the chastisement that brings us peace. And by his wounds, we'd be healed. <laughs> Matthew is telling us here in chapter 3, at the outset of Jesus' ministry, that Jesus is the suffering servant king's son. It's him. 
His baptism here is a picture of the servant son who would suffer in our place for our sins, being crucified and buried and resurrected. Jesus' baptism, therefore, is a prefigurement for all that your baptism is to represent. Remember, Jesus' baptism is different than yours. After he did die and was buried and rose again, he appeared to the disciples and gave them the Great Commission. He commanded them to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them, not in the name of John, not with John's baptism, but with his. Baptizing them in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Baptizing them as a symbol of their being united together with Jesus in his death and his burial, and united with Jesus also in his resurrection. That's what Christian baptism is all about. Listen, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, the, the call to you isn't be baptized. <laughs> it's to believe all this. To believe the gospel. The, the, the good news that Jesus not only gets you, but he came to get you. God the Father so loved the world He sent his one and only son. He sent him to identify with you. He sent him for you. He sent him to live the perfect life that you're supposed to live, but you can't. And to die the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. He sent him to rescue you from a a joyless, purposeless, meaningless life full of self-focus and selfishness. It's never going to satisfy. He came to rescue you from that, redeem you from that, restore you into relationship with him forever and ever. So the call to you, if you're not a believer this morning, is not do something. The call isn't to get yourself cleaned up and to make yourself presentable. You don't have to because Jesus came and identified with you. The call to you this morning is simply to believe in him. Believe in Jesus, that he really is the Christ, that he really is the Son of God. And he really did come to take away the sins of the world and to die in your place and rise again for you. And so agree with the assessment of his life that you're sinful. We all are. And acknowledge your need for him. Believe and be saved. And then be baptized. Then and only then be baptized. And it's to that point now that we move next. Four reasons now why Christians are to be baptized. These parallel in some ways the reasons that Jesus was baptized as we seek to do some application here. The first, is, first reason that a Christian is baptized is to obey God. That ought to be about enough, hadn't it? Well, after his resurrection, Jesus appears to his disciples. Said this already. What does he tell them? He gives them a command. We call it a commission. To go and to do, to, to, to make disciples of everyone everywhere, baptizing them. And so when the early disciples were sent out and began to spread the gospel and people came to believe in the gospel, when they believed the gospel, they were then baptized. It's all over Acts. Over and over again, people hear the good news, they believe the good news, and they're baptized. And they're baptized because Jesus commanded it. The way you obey the receiving side of the Great Commission as someone who has been saved by grace through faith is to be baptized. And then, of course, to grow in learning and observing everything Jesus commands, that's there too, including the command to go and make more disciples and see them baptized. 
Why should a Christian be baptized? To obey God. To submit your life to him. To demonstrate that he's not just savior of your life. He's Lord over your life. That leads nicely into a second reason a Christian is to be baptized, which is to make a public proclamation. Baptism is an act of obedience to the command of Jesus through which a believer demonstrates and proclaims that all this gospel business is true of me. It's an outward proclamation of an inner faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It's saying with the action of baptism, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm a Christian. I want others to know. Jesus came for me. Jesus died for me. Jesus rose for me. And I'm not ashamed to proclaim that. Let me just give a little side thing here, right? Because I often hear people say, um, I think I want to be baptized, or I know someone who, who wants to be baptized, but they don't want to do it in front of the whole church. Me, some of us have felt that. Uh, super common. Don't feel bad if that's you, right? Uh, most people don't like to stand up in front of a whole bunch of people and get soaking wet, right? It's just like, okay. Um, and before I say what I'm going to say next, let me say this. Being baptized in front of the whole church on a Sunday morning is not a hill for us to die on. In the New Testament, when people were baptized, it is done publicly. It would be a bit of a reach for us to maybe even narrowly define public as having to be in front of everyone on a Sunday morning in a 21st century Christian church setting. So if you're just terrified or have literal social anxiety or other, you know, all, you know we can talk about that. What's most important is your belief in Jesus and being baptized. Now, with that said, I'm going to press a little bit. Um, it's not a hill to die on, but it is a hill we want to try to press up a little ways. And I'm going to tell you why. Most of the time, when, when someone doesn't want to be baptized in front of a whole lot of people, sometimes it's for stuff like literal social anxiety, but a lot of times it's because we don't want anyone looking at us. We don't want all the attention on us. But listen, when someone is baptized, can we just be clear about this? The attention is not on you. The attention should never be on the person who's being baptized. Great as it is, the attention is on Jesus. When someone comes up out of the baptismal water and everyone cheers, just so you know, we're not cheering for you and what you've done. We're cheering for Jesus and what he's done in your life. He's the one that's done the saving. Being baptized is simply the proclaiming. Additionally, there's a spot in Matthew chapter 10 where Jesus says, everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. The context there is persecution, okay? People come to actually kill Christians, like kill them because they're Christians. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of people who want to come and kill you because you want to be publicly associated with me. Don't fear that. 
Don't be afraid to acknowledge me before those who would persecute you. When you're surrounded by people who want to hate you and kill you just because you proclaim Jesus. Church, baptism here in 2024 Lincoln, Nebraska, (laughs) when we do it on a Sunday morning in the sanctuary, for example, you are not surrounded by people who hate you and want to kill you. You are surrounded by people who love you and want to see you thrive and live forever with Jesus. This is literally the safest place to publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus. I can't think of a safer one. And if you can't do it here, it's going to be a lot harder to do it out there amongst others who may even hate you, amongst others who don't believe, amongst others who, God forbid, may even come to persecute you. One last point under this reason, the reason for making a public proclamation. Baptism, it's not just you publicly proclaiming the gospel and your trust in Jesus. When we understand that we have been united with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection, we're also united with him in hearing the voice from heaven, he heard it his. The Father proclaiming over you, to you, for all to hear, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved daughter, a precious child of mine in whom I am well pleased. For believers, there's times in our lives, are there not, when, man, we wonder, we doubt if anyone really loves us, let alone God. If he really cares about us, let alone delights in us. Christian, your baptism is something that you can look back to and recall, I am a beloved of the Lord. It has been proclaimed over me that I am one of his adopted children. And because of Jesus, he is well pleased in me. I belong to him. He loves me. And he always will. And every time someone else is baptized, we're able to recall this for ourselves. Which means your public proclamation At your baptism, God uses it to strengthen and encourage and remind those who have already been baptized all that he's done for them. All he continues to do in the world. And that he is real and that he's alive and he's accomplishing all that he said that he would. Why are Christians to be baptized? To obey God, to make a public proclamation. A third reason, to identify with the church. Jesus, just as Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners... So Christians are baptized to be identified as sinners saved by grace. Into a family, actually, of sinners saved by grace, which the Bible calls the new covenant community, or more simply, the church. That's true in a capital C, universal church kind of way. Galatians 3 talks about being baptized into Christ, putting on Christ, and as such being considered universally as a part of Abraham's offspring. But then also in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, writing to a specific local congregation, local church there in Corinth, he talks about being baptized into one body. There's a sense then in which baptism identifies us with a local church full of believers, a specific body, which Paul goes on to say has many parts and all are needed. This is one of the reasons we believe baptism belongs in the context of the gathered church. 
as Christians, we're not baptized we're not baptized into a better individualistic life to be lived by ourselves on our own apart from community. We're baptized into a body. Baptism is an identification with a body, the body of Christ, which is the church. A body that comes alongside you and walks with you as you walk with Jesus. A body that holds you accountable for the public proclamation of faith that you make at baptism. Baptism. And encourages you and prays for you, teaches you, guides you, rebukes you, and yet loves you, cares for you, shepherds you, all for your good and God's glory. And then lastly, a fourth reason why a Christian is to be baptized is to be a picture of our future resurrection to eternal life. A picture of our future resurrection to eternal life. We're not just baptized because Jesus was. We're not just baptized because he says so. We're not just baptized to proclaim it to other people and identify ourselves with the local church. No, we're baptized into Jesus. Meaning baptism is a picture of our union with Christ. When we are baptized, we go under the water signifying that we have been buried with Christ. That his death counted for us. It's a symbol that signifies a very real, if somewhat mysterious, spiritual truth that we are united together with Jesus in his death. And when we come up out of the water, it's a symbol that signifies in a very real and spiritual way that we have been raised to new life. A new life marked with the empowering of the Holy Spirit. A new life marked by trusting in Jesus and repenting of sin and growing in Christ's likeness. But even more, it's a picture also of our future promised resurrection to eternal life. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans chapter 6. He says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall, what's the word? Certainly. 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 If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Every time someone is baptized, every time that you get to witness someone being baptized, or praise God, participate in helping to baptize someone, it's a picture, it's a reminder to the weak, wounded, still sinful, still struggling, aging, weary sometimes if we're honest, tired, fearful, lonely, longing, broken, yet redeemed saints like you and me that we shall certainly be united together with him in a resurrection like his to eternal life. Listen, wherever you're at on the faith continuum this morning, right, believe the gospel and be saved. Be baptized. Look forward with certainty to the day when you too will be raised to eternal life. If you're here this morning, you're 
a Christian, even if you became one today, and you've not yet been baptized, I want to strongly encourage you to be baptized. The next opportunity for that is going to be here on Sunday morning, February 11th. If that's something you're interested in exploring, the next step is to have a conversation with a pastor. Grab me after service, fill out a connection card, mark on their baptism. One, myself or one of the other pastors will get in touch with you. We'll talk about parents. If you're having this conversation with some of your children, we would, we would love to step into that with you, be a part of that conversation with you, shepherd them as you discern and we discern together your child's readiness for baptism. If you're here and you're not sure if you're a Christian, you're not sure if baptism is the next, you know, if you're ready for that or whatever, boy, I would love to talk with you about that too. No matter how old you are. Same thing, grab me afterwards, fill out a connection card. If you got my number, text me. We'll, we'll find, you know, it'd be an honor to sit down and talk with you about where you're at with God, what he's doing in your life, and determine if you're ready to take that next step. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the ordinance, the sacrament of baptism. Thank you for all that it signifies and proclaims, namely, your gospel. Would you help us to believe it? Spirit of God, I pray that you would draw anyone who is far from you to saving faith in Jesus. Even here and even now. You stir anyone here who is a believer who has not been baptized to take that step in obedience to you. Would you strengthen your baptized daughters and sons here this morning by them recalling their baptism. And all it signifies is true of them and promised to them. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.